If you would turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, we're going to spend just a few minutes there. uh, um, We're going to talk about two different meanings for the word life. Talk about two different instances where the scripture talks about life. We'll begin with the first one in Ecclesiastes. And if you'll turn to chapter 8, we'll look at a couple of verses in chapter 8 and in chapter 9. And then we'll move on to the New Testament. Well, before we start, let's thank the Lord for our time together. Father, we are indeed thankful to you that we can come here like this this morning. Father, realizing that you have blessed us immeasurably, that we have the freedom to meet in this way, Father, we thank you for this nice place to meet in. And Father, I especially thank you for uh, all of these that have come here this morning. Lord, that we could spend time honoring you. That is our desire, Lord. Our desire is that you be glorified because of what you have done on our behalf. And Father, we just ask that you would open up our ears to hear, our hearts to understand your word this morning, and we thank you for it, Father. Father, we thank you that you've not left us to ourselves to reason out this life and to find our own way. Lord, we thank you for your love for us and the life that you've given us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the themes of the book of Ecclesiastes, um, if you've read any in it at all, you hear this from time to time, Solomon, and we assume that he wrote this book. We don't know, know for sure, but if you'll allow me, I will assume that, that, he wrote, that, that he wrote it. One of his things that he comes to from time to time is how futile things are, how useless things are. And, and through the whole 12, chap, cha, 12 chapters, he comes to this conclu- conclusion as he talks about various topics that things are useless, that life is futile. Another thing that that he does from time to time is after he's talked about how futile things are for a while, it's almost like he has to give himself some relief, and he says, So, enjoy what you have to eat, enjoy what you have to drink, go home and enjoy your family, because these things are gifts from God. And then he'll start again talking about how futile things are, how useless things are. And uh, how it's better to be dead than alive. And um, because at least when you're dead, you can't experience the bad things of the life people have to experience. And after he's done that for a while, then he says, so it's better to go home and enjoy your food, enjoy the things you have to drink, enjoy your, fam- your family, because these are things that have been given by, by, by God. Well, you'd think if you spent very many months going through those 12 chapters, you'd think, boy, we're all going to be depressed by the time we get done with this. How could God possibly have inspired him to write this down, and what's the use of it for us? Well, in our class over the last few months, we've asked that question over and over again. But then then we've also begun to learn uh, what God had in mind for him writing that. And that's why I wanted to spend a a few minutes this morning with you talking about life from two different per perspectives. 
One of the things that Solomon, as he talks about life in this book, he's talking about the temporal, fleshly life that we live every day. And that's why he brought out these things. If you look at at, at, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 14, this is one of the things that he didn't understand. And he said this was futile. There is futility which is done on the earth. That is, and you've seen this before. There are righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. In other words, there are men and women who live righteous lives but things happen to them that should be happening to wicked people. In other words, if you're, if, you're, if you're wicked, we would assume that bad things would happen to you because you're living in a wicked world and you're living as a wicked person. But he says, I've seen that righteous men have had it happen to them according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. So we would assume that righteous people live righteous lives, then good things will happen to them. But sometimes the good things happen to the evil people. So he says this is futile. Have you ever thought that, that, that way? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do the bad people have all the good things happening to them? Something doesn't make sense. So he concludes and says, So I say that this too is futility. And look, look, look what he said when he got done with this. So I committed pleasure, for there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and to drink and to be merry. And this will stand by him. In other words, and he says, throughout the days of his life, which God has given him under the sun. Now that's an an interesting thing. He, He refers to God here, and he says, this is the life that God has given. He's going to say that once again in chapter. In chapter 9, I'll refer to it in just a second. If you'll go to verses 2 and 3 of chapter 9. Just before that, he says that the deeds of righteous men and wise men are in the hand of God, but that men don't know whether love or hatred await await them. And then he goes on to verse 2 and says, it's the same for all. And what he says is, there's the same fate for the good people and the same fate, and the same fate for, the white, for the bad people. It is the same for all. There is the one fate for the righteous and the one fate for the, wi- for the wicked. Now, what fate is he referring to? Death. Okay? Death com- it doesn't matter whether you live a righteous life or a wi- wicked life. You're going to die. In fact, he goes on down and says, as the good man is, so is the sinner. As the one who gives an oath, so is the one who's afraid to give an oath. This is an evil in all that's done under the sun that there is one fate for all men. So from his standpoint, just from a human, fleshly, temporal standpoint, he says it's an evil thing that there ought to be something better for the righteous people than from the unrighteous people. But the fact is, everybody dies. And then he makes this most unusual statement. Well, I can't get into that. I can't reteach the lesson from this morning. But you get the idea, right? So let's go on down to verse um, 7. After he goes through all this stuff, the living know they will die, but the dead don't know anything. He says, so go then, and here's his, his theme. Eat your bread in happiness. Drink your wine with a cheerful heart. For God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time. Let oil not be lacking from your head. Enjoy life with the woman 
whom you love all the days of your fleet, fleeting life. He, he just can't get away from it. Your fleeting or your useless life, which he's given you under the sun. Okay? In other words, there's these things that, that we, we can enjoy that, that are part of this temporal life, even though the life is useless itself. For this is your reward in what? This is your reward in life. This is your, well, which life? And in your toil in which you have labored where? Under the sun. Okay, so you get the idea of what he's talking. He's talk, talk, talking about this temporal life, this temporary life in the flesh that we live here. That's what he's talking about. Okay, let's look at a couple more, ver- ver- more ver- ver- verses. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. In other words, if you're going to do something, you better get after it, because once you die, you don't get to do anything. (laughs) But from a human, earthly, temporal standpoint, that's an important thing to remember. Because if you live for you, in the temporal, in the temporary fleshly life, and you're li- living for you, you better get after it. Because when you die, you don't get to do anything else. It's over with. If you've been living for you now, then it's over when, when you die. So keep that in mind. If that's what you've decided to do, so- so- Solomon's let- letting you know, and I'm repeating what he has to say, it's all over. When you die, it's done. You don't get to experience life anymore okay and so one more quick lesson verse 11 I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift well that's not what the tech track team thought the the other day right they were out there work work working hard they're ranked way up in the you know national rankings the top 15 runners in the nation I think they have 12 of them on their team something like that well, they wouldn't agree with that. But from a life stand, standpoint, the race is not to the swift. Well, sometimes it is, but it isn't always. So if you count on being number one because you're the best, guess what? Life is going to show you that it won't be that way some, some, sometimes. And the battle is not to the warriors or to the strong. Well, it should be. The strongest one should win every time. Have you ever seen a smarter, quicker, smaller football team beat a giant football team? Yeah, I'm, I mean, some, sometimes the big, strong, strongest ones just don't always win. And it, and it goes on to talk about that. So if you live your temporal life here with the idea that if I'm smarter than everybody else, I'm going to make more money. If I'm wiser than everybody else, I'll have a lot more than somebody else does. If I'm stronger than everybody else, I'll always win the, the, the fights. If I'm faster than everybody else, I'll always win the ra- races. No, it just doesn't happen that, 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 that way. So there's got to be more to it. Okay, now, let's go over to 2 Corinthians, if you would. So what Solomon is saying to us is in this temporary life, this temporal life, many things take place that we don't like, and many things take place that we don't understand. And it caused him to say that these things make life futile. And so go home, recognize the blessing that God's given you, and concentrate on those things because 
if you don't, you could drive yourself crazy, which is also a verse in chapter 9 that we didn't read. So, but that's the life here. That's the tem- temporary life. So let's talk about another kind of life. You know, it would seem that if we concentrate all our time on this life, uh, we'll get all out of it what, what we can, but there's not all that that we can get out because as he says, once you die, it's all over with. He also says back in chap- chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, one verse we didn't look, look at is that the living have hope but the dead don't. It, it, it's all over for them. Of course, you read his stuff and you think, well, what hope do the li- living have? You know, it, it didn't sound all, all that good. When the best, you, you, best he could come up with is just recognize that God has a hand in it and that God's blessed you with food and stuff to drink and a fa- family. But then over in Second Se- Corinthians, we will begin to read about a diff- different kind of life. One of the reasons I, that I thought we'd, we would do this this morning is because this life that's so ter- terminal has a way of get, getting us down. And there are people in this room that if we had hours to let everybody who wanted to say something tell us about, about their life, most of us would have something in this temporal life that we live within that really get, gets us down. You know, causes us to question our faith in God sometimes, causes us to to question our uh, abilities. Sometimes it makes us physically ill. There are a lot of ways that these bodies and minds respond to the difficulty of of this life. And so what Solomon is letting us know is that if that's all you look look at, then that's all you have to look for, for. forward to. And it is futile. It is vain to put all, all of our hope into that. And the hope that, that we have is only a hope for what we are li- living right now. But, but there's another kind of hope. There is an, another life, and it's the life, life of the Spirit, which is not the life that, so- that Solomon was ta- talking about in those verses we just look, looked at. Well, let's let, let's, let's let the script, script, Scripture speak, speak to us. Very familiar ver, ver, verses, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Even though this life that we live, when we look at all the things that are around us that, we don't, that don't make, make sense, and sometimes it would cause us to lose heart, here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, what an understatement. <laughs> Did you know that, that yesterday I didn't do anything to make myself ache? And last night my left leg was aching. <laughs> so when I read, read this verse, I thought, thank goodness there's nothing wrong with me. You know, it's... <laughs> Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, and it is, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. But it's hard to know that. It's hard to see, see that. 
Now, there are people in this room, I know some things going on in some, some of your lives, and this is a, a hard state, statement. It's an, in, an encouragement, but it's only an encouragement if we are not sunk down in, concrete, in the concrete of this temporal life. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Here, here's the key. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, they're futile, they're useless, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The one thought that Solomon did not put into his writings in Ecclesiastes 8 and 9. He didn't include the life that has to do with eternity. And so if I'll let you know something about me. From time to time, I struggle with this idea of eternity, with this idea of God having worked this perfect plan and included me in the plan. Do you ever think, 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 think about it? Now, we sing the songs, and I love the songs, and I love the messages in the, in the songs, but, but doesn't something happen just maybe every once in a while where you think, God, is, is this really true? Are you, did you really do that? Are you a spirit really that involved with me down here in the flesh? Did you really, you really want to redeem me and have me be with you forever? Oh, men that are going to the retreat this next week, weekend, listen closely to these next 15 minutes because session number four some of the worksheet stuff that you've got to do, you might get a few clues out of the next 15 minutes to help you do your worksheets. <laughs> Would he really do that? Look, look what he says here. For the things which are seen are te- temporal. That, that's what my, ver, ver, my, ver, my, my version says. They're earthly. They're fle- fleshly. They're not getting off this planet. Okay? Those things. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So if there's any validity to this truth of eternal life, you heard me say truth, right? I believe that it's the truth. I believe what he's done in my heart. I see him work all the time. I don't deserve it, but he loves me and he loves, loves you. And so we don't worry about these things that we can see. Yes, they are futile. We think about the things that are, etern- that are eternal. We'll come back there in a minute. Let's go to Romans 8. The good thing about fill- filling in like this is I don't have anything to say. So we just read the script- Scripture and have a great time in the Word. And it's, it's wonderful. Okay. We've established the truth that whatever you're going through that causes you to stumble, whatever you're going through that causes you to doubt, that you know that what happens to us mentally, emotionally affects us physically. Everybody understands that, right? And, and, and so there are all kinds of things that would be called su- sufferings. 
we could be su- suffering and being, be being per- per- persecuted fi- physically for our faith. But there are also the su- sufferings of going through life and being trapped by life itself. Let's read beginning verse 18. For I consider, this is Paul wrote, wrote, wrote to the Roman believers, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. Now that's what he said to the Corinthians, right? The, su- su- the, the, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And we're going to take the next step here. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of who? The sons of God. Isn't that interesting? Ah, let's go over to Colossians. We, we can't leave that, that verse out. Let's go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Let's look at verse 4. I, I don't want you to be confused about who the sons are, okay? I, I just, we've got to make sure we understand it. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our... There's that word life. There's a word life. It's the same English word that we saw over in Ecclesiastes, but it's not the same word as far as what the life is and where the life is lived and what the life means and what it exemplifies. It's a different life. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Is that incredible? Okay, now let's go back to Romans 8. Now that we understand who the sons of God are, okay? Verse 19, for the anxious longing of the creation. Is that incredible? The anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. What, what, What did he just say there? Well, you'll find out. Let's keep reading. For the creation was subjected to, there's our word, creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of whom? The children of God, the sons of God, those who are going to be revealed when he's revealed. You know what that just said? Here's here's God's plan. Solomon is right. If we focus on this life only, what does the Scripture say? You're going to be most miserable, right? Yeah, that's what he was saying. If we focus on this life, L-I-F-E, the life, the temporal, temporary, fleshly, on the earth, right now life, if that's all the life that there is to us, they're going to get the best that we, we can produce out of it. And oh, by the way, Solomon also says in chapter 8 and chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes that when you're dead, everybody will have forgotten all the things you did during that temporal, useless, futile life that you lived. Okay? People forget it. They'll forget you. But look at this life. Whenever Adam sinned, it wasn't just human beings that were subjected to the effects of the sin. The rest of creation was subjected to the effects of sin. 
So whenever we are redeemed, whenever he is revealed and we're re- and he's revealed to us and we see that what we are by faith now, we will one day see that we are right there before him. Guess who else wants us to experience that revelation? The rest of his creation does. It's banking on it. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. This is a different life than what Ecclesiastes is talking about. This life is a life that makes us one with our Creator. It makes us one in Him, us in Him and Him in us from now on, from now on. So we live in this life right here, but we also live a different life also at the same time. Every day you get up and go to work and do whatever you do, go, go to school. If you're retired, you take care of grandkids or you work in the yard, you go do whatever, whatever you do, you get up and do it. And that's the Ecclesiastes L-I-F-E. But at the same time, we have been given life. This life is a different life. It's a life that, that ties us to God the Creator It's his spirit living within us, which we'll look at that in just a minute. And it has to do with all of his creation. For we know, verse 22, we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Ah, I can't wait to the day when that left leg isn't hurting for no reason. For the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. You know, over in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, there is a verse that says, the living have hope, but the dead don't have anything. Well, Here's the real hope right here. If you want to live the Ecclesiastes life, if that is your life, your hope is in the best that you can do. It's in what you, you can do, and that's as good as it is. Why don't you wait until you get about 60 years old like me and go look in the mirror and say, is that all you could do? You never did anything very well. You did a lot of things, Mark, but you never did any You're not going to be known for anything that, that you did because... You were just kind of plain Jane in everything you did in your life. And then when you die, guess what? They forget you. So what kind of hope is that? There, it, it is no hope. There is no hope. You only have hope while you're breathing. When you quit breathing, it's all over with. But not here, verse, 20, verse 24. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Ah, there's that Second Corinthians 4, right? For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So we may be going through trials right now, and things may not look great right right now, but if our hope is in him, if our hope is in the one who redeemed our soul, if our hope is in him who has given us life, 
then we can make it through these things. Because, see, if we don't have hope, if we're living over here, yeah, I mean, the bad things just get worse. Bad things happen. Do you ever go through a short period in your life whenever things are going great? Sometimes it happens. You go through a period of time and things are going great. Well, if you've gone down the road for very, very far, what are you doing while those things are going great? When's the thing going to fall, right? Yeah, because you know it's, it's, it's going to happen. But he says here, if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Let's go over to chapter 5. He takes a similar thought and adds something else to it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 4. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened. And when he says in this tent, what does he mean? Yeah, I mean, that's the fleshly life, this body, okay? That's our life we live, okay? We groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. So in Ecclesiastes, there's the mortal life. Here he's talking about a life that is not mortal. Is that good news? That is great news. Do do you believe that? I I, I ache for you in the room who don't don't believe that. But listen, listen closely. For now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God. For the purpose of what? Setting aside the mortal and taking on the immortal, which is called life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. There's the way we live the life, is with the Spirit. He's he's given us his Spirit. We don't have to look, look, look to ourselves. Okay, we're going to finish our time just re- reading some choice stuff. Well, you, you probably don't need to read, read this. Romans 8, verse 20, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who? Those who love God to who? Those who are called according to His, per- per- his, per- per- his purpose. Look at this great love that he's shown to us that he didn't leave us in this life over here doing the best that we could do, but he's put his spirit within us to give us a life, not only eternal life, but a spirit that allows us to live this life now with perseverance, not left to our own strength. Because I said a minute ago, and we've experienced this, the longer you live, the harder it is on this body. And, and you can have emotional pro- pro- problems, family issues, all kinds of things that make you tired in your brain and they make your body tired and they can even make your bo- body sick. So there's nothing desirous about this thing except for the things that we, we can enjoy. But this life that he's given us because his spirit lives within us is not just an eternal life. But there's a life that we actually can live now, not in the flesh, but by the Spirit, through, through His Spirit, to strength, strengthen us, 
to give us the per- perseverance that, that we need. And the good news is, according to Rome, Romans 8, it's all his plan. We hear that are our, our, our his, chil- chil- his children. He makes a way for us. We got 30 seconds left, just in time. (laughs) Just in time to turn over to 1 Thessalonians. Isn't this great? It's so good that I don't have to say anything. All I have to do is just read the words. This is so good. Life in the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. The people that Solomon, the life that he talked about in Ecclesiastes, He didn't say whether awake or asleep. He said, when you're awake, you got a little bit of hope. When you die, you don't have anything. It's all over with. See see the difference? Man, let me read it for us again. And then verse 11 is the pinnacle of it all. Who died for us so that whether we are awake, we're alive, or asleep, earthly body's dead, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Man. What a great love that he not only created us, therefore we would live this earthly life, but that he recreated us by, by His Spirit to allow us to walk in a new kind of life. And let's encourage one another. Let's, let's pray. Father, what a great hope we have because we believe that You love us. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. Father, we believe that you have redeemed us from an eternity away from you to an eternity with you. Father, we believe that we will have times of disappointment. Father, we know that we will experience times that we just can't figure things out. Father, we know that we will experience in this fleshly life disappointments, confusions, Father, there's times when we're going to doubt that you even love us. But Father, we believe and we know by what you've done in our hearts that your spirit lives within us. We know, Father, that whether this body is alive or dead, that we're with you. Father, we know that you can give us the strength and the perseverance to make it through the difficult times in our lives. And Father, we understand as Solomon said, that left to itself, this life is totally futile. Father, we see that that was not your plan for your creation. And Father, that you've given us a plan where we might be redeemed and your creation might be restored. And we thank you, Father, 
that you've called us to that life and that you've given us your spirit. Father, we thank you for the joy that we can have as we meditate on you and your great love for us and meditate on your word. And Father, I just ask that as as we spend time in your word that you would burn these truths into our hearts. That Father, when we begin to feel the most desperate, that you would call your word to our minds, that our thinking would be renewed, that our spirits would be lifted up. Father, we love you so much and thank you for your love for us. I pray, Father, that you would bless all the dear folks in this room this week as they go out into the world. Father, that there would be many opportunities for people in the world to see the light of your love through us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.